Well, please have uh, that passage open in front of you from Mark chapter 10. Before we look at this together, let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would speak to us this morning. Your word is a living word. And so, Father, we pray that you would make it live in our hearts. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, what is it that makes someone truly British? Is there something about the way that we do things and the way that we behave that identifies us as true Brits? In his hilarious book written in the 1940s uh, and named How to Be a Brit, Mike Mikash observes those things that mark us out from the rest of the world. He writes this. In England, everything is the other way round. On the continent, there is one topic which should be always avoided, the weather. In England, if you do not repeat the phrase, lovely day, isn't it, at least 200 times a day, you are considered a bit dull. On the continent, Sunday papers appear on Monday. In England, a country of exotic oddities, they appear on Sunday. On the continent, people use a fork as though a fork were a shovel. In England, they turn it upside down and push everything, including peas, on top of it. On the continent, stray cats are judged individually on their merit. Some are loved, some are just respected. In England, they are universally worshipped as in ancient Egypt. On the continent, people have good food. In England, people have good table manners. On the continent, almost every nation, whether little or great, has openly declared at one time or another that it is superior to all other nations. The English fight heroic wars to combat these dangerous ideas without ever mentioning which is really the most superior race in the world. Continental people are sensitive and touchy. The English take everything with an exquisite sense of humour. They are only offended if you tell them that they have no sense of humour. Well, so much for the members of the United Kingdom, but what about members of God's kingdom? How are we distinguished from the world around us? What are the identifying traits of a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, that has very much been the theme of Mark's gospel from chapter 8 onwards, hasn't it? <clears throat> and we've seen many hard teachings about how we are to live if we would really live up to the standard of God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into God's kingdom, says Jesus. Indeed, we've just seen earlier in this same chapter, a man failed to enter despite a huge amount of hard work throughout his life and, and masses of discipline. This man has really got his life together. And he's got an exemplary moral record. Yet he doesn't qualify. You know, the disciples must have thought, surely this one's in the bag. But no, he still falls short. Wealth, status, good standing in the community, law-abiding, clean living. These are not determining factors for a true disciple. 
how hard it is, says Jesus, to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples chime in, don't they? Who then can be saved? Well, in the Bible verses that we just read earlier, telling the story of Bartimaeus, we see the real deal. He starts the story on the sidelines, in the gutter, quite literally, in verse 46, you see. And we're told that he's by the roadside begging there when Jesus comes along. Yet he ends the story on the road, following Jesus. Let's take a look together at the story. Uh, Read with me from those uh, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, Jericho is believed to have been one of the oldest continually inhabited cities on earth. It was also a commuter town. It is believed that uh, at some time, as many as 12,000 priests lived in Jericho. They would commute to Jerusalem, which was about a 28 kilometre walk when it was their turn to, to serve at the temple. Jericho was a busy place. And you can be sure that the crowds were out in full force this day as Jesus, the famous rabbi and miracle worker, arrived in town. Now, Jesus had probably just come from the house of Zacchaeus. Remember the tax collector who climbed up into the little sycamore tree? And now we read that along with the large crowd, they are leaving the city. This was the last stop, probably, before Jesus actually reached Jerusalem itself. And that same morning, Bartimaeus had awakened in darkness once again. He had arisen from whatever humble abode that he spent the night in, and he had made his way to the outskirts of the town, where he'd most likely had his regular pitch by the roadside, catching the flow of traffic as it headed to the big city. Blindness would have been far more common in Jesus's day than it is in ours. And today we have all kinds of ways to help those who have lost their sight or are losing their sight so they can live a more normal functional life. In the days before self-isolation, I used to like to visit with Alan Meakin. He's got a simple little gizmo that he clips onto the side of his cup uh, when he's pouring boiling water into it. Uh, and it beeps when the water gets to the right level. See, see, we can help people in all kinds of ways when their sight is gone. All kinds of day-to-day tasks, though, become a mission when you don't have the use of your eyes. And so begging was almost certainly the only way this poor, ragged man could get his daily bread. He must live a life of constantly at the mercy of passers-by. And yet in Bartimaeus, we see a true disciple. My guess is that that's how Mark is trying to paint him here in these verses. And I want us to consider in the brief time that we have this morning, six characteristics of a true disciple. They are conviction, humility, relationship, faith, focus, and action. First of all, conviction. 
Join with me uh, reading in verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. So there was Bartimaeus squatting in the gutter, pleading for a handout. He must have sensed the, the commotion around him. An increase in traffic, an increase in noise around him. What's happening? He asks the nearest passerby. Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Didn't you know he's been in town? He's on the way out now, heading to Jerusalem. He'll be coming past in a moment. Jesus, he thinks to himself. Isn't this the one I've heard so much about? The one who teaches with authority. The one who feeds the multitudes, casts out the demons, heals the sick. Isn't he the Messiah, the one who is supposed to open the eyes of the blind? And he determines that he must get Jesus's attention. And so at the top of his lungs, he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But Mark tells us in verse 48 there, the crowd were trying to silence him. Stop your yelling. Everybody wants to see Jesus. What makes you think you're so special? Just look at the state of you. Why would he want to see you, Bartimaeus? But, and I love this, Mark says he just shouted all the louder. He was determined that he must get to Jesus and he won't let anyone stop him trying. He's a true disciple. The rich young man earlier in the chapter, when faced with a challenge, an obstacle to discipleship, he just walked away. He gave up. He felt he had so much to lose that it wasn't worth it. But Bartimaeus, well, he has nothing to lose and he has everything to gain. If you would be a true disciple, it starts with calling out to Jesus. Jesus! Have mercy on me. And the true disciple is so convinced that Jesus is their only hope that they don't care if the whole world thinks that they are a fool for doing it. Still, they will call out to Jesus until they are heard. Conviction. Well, the second mark of true discipleship is humility. He comes empty handed. Look at verse 49. But Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now we've looked at this characteristic a lot, haven't we? Humility marks membership of God's kingdom. It's what we're to be like in the kingdom. Remember how Jesus welcomed the little children to come to him just earlier, back in verse 14? He says, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to those who come with empty hands. People who come unable to help themselves and they know it. Bartimaeus probably owns little more than the shirt on his back, but in the excitement of being called... He casts his cloak aside and he jumps to his feet. 
He's a beggar with nothing to bring and he comes with empty hands. And this is what Jesus is looking for. He doesn't want you for your money or for your talents or for any of the achievements that you've had in life. He doesn't want you to bring a single thing, just yourself. That's a true disciple. Conviction, humility. Thirdly, relationship. He has a personal experience of Jesus. For Bartimaeus, it's not just secondhand and rumours. What happens is a personal interaction, isn't it? A true disciple is drawn into relationship with Jesus. To Bartimaeus, Jesus is not just a means to an end. And to Jesus, Bartimaeus is not just a problem to be dealt with and then move on. The relationship is two-way, isn't it? Mark explicitly tells us that upon hearing his cry, Jesus actually stopped. That's what he does. He doesn't just pause. He stops. He stops in his tracks. He ceases walking. He gives his full attention to this helpless man. A true disciple has known this relationship. The day when they called out to Christ and they received his full attention, his welcome, an invitation to draw close. To Jesus, this ragged man is not just part of the background, another beggar asking for alms. He has called out to mercy from the son of David, from God's king, and all who do so may come. Becoming a disciple of Jesus is, is not like joining a club. It's not like joining Weight Watchers or something like that. You know, you just turn up once a while and weigh in uh, and tell, tell everybody else that you're losing weight. You're watching your weight. You're part of the club. Christianity is more than just a label. It's, a, it's, more, it's more than just a set of beliefs and a code to live by. It's about relationship. If you aren't actually walking with Jesus each day, then you're not living like a true disciple. Conviction, humility, relationship. Fourthly, faith. He believes that Jesus can give him what he needs. Look at verse 51. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. What does Bartimaeus really know about Jesus? Well, we can't be sure about everything he might know, except that initially he knows that Jesus is the only hope he has. But look at the way he talks in these verses. Son of David, he calls him. He's at the very least become convinced that this is an appropriate title for Jesus a descendant of the royal line. More than that, the son of David was the promise of the Messiah in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, it's David's son whose throne God will establish forever. He's going to be the one that rules. And then he calls him rabbi. Rabbi, I want to see. Actually, the word here is not rabbi. It's the, it's the word rabuni. It means master. It's stronger than just rabbi, which would be teacher. The scholars tell us that this word was rarely, if ever, used to address human beings. It was mostly used in prayer to address God. 
Such is the confidence and the faith that Bartimaeus has in the Lord who stands before him. Rabuni, I want to see. This is not a request you bring before a mere man. The true disciple trusts that when they bring their request to Jesus, he is able to do above and beyond anything and everything that we ask. Faith. And that faith is focused, focused on the one thing that really matters. That's our fifth point here. Faith. Uh, faith then focus. He's not concerned, you see, with status, is he? Only sight. We must see the pattern repeating here, actually. It's very interesting. In the previous paragraph in this chapter of Mark, we've just had Mark reporting the incident where James and John come to Jesus to make their little power play. Do you remember? They come to Jesus saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It's a bold move, isn't it? But Jesus graciously replies in verse 36, what do you want me to do for you? That's the exact question upon which it seems true discipleship hinges. For it's exactly the same question that Jesus answers here. Have a look in verse 51 again. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. It's a penetrating question, isn't it? How would you reply to that question? Now, you might think that the answer for a man in Bartimaeus's particular situation was obvious, but that's not necessarily the case, is it? He could have asked for anything. Think about that for a moment. He could have asked for three wishes, like as if Jesus was some kind of GD. He could have asked for a generous donation from Jesus. Lots and lots of money. After all, if his sight was restored, think about it for a second, Bartimaeus is then going to have to go and get a job. He's going to have to work for his living. He could have replied just like James and John, couldn't he? This life might be challenging for Bartimaeus at the moment, but, but Jesus, when your kingdom comes, give me power and status. Let me rule. But no, none of those things. His request is simple and straight to the point, isn't it? He asks for what he needs most. Rabuni, I want to see. Sight is all he needs. It's all that he needs so he will be able to follow his new master. Which leads us to the last true mark of discipleship. Action. He gets on the road and he follows. Take a look. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Your faith has healed you, says Jesus. Again, the particular words here are important in the original language. This particular word for healed also carries the meaning saved. Mark could, Mark could have used a different word, but he uses a word that has the meaning saved as well. Your faith, Bartimaeus, has saved you. And once he's been saved, his life will never be the same. For the final mark of a true disciple is that they follow Jesus. Bartimaeus leaves the gutter and he gets on the road behind Jesus. 
He walks onward and upward with him towards the humiliation and the suffering that lies ahead. No matter what comes their way, like any true disciple, he will not be parted from his master. Who knows what sorrows might lie ahead of us over the coming days. The best place to be, listen, the best place to be is following your master. Surely, he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. He'll never leave you. What became of Bartimaeus, I wonder? Well, we can't know for sure. But the very fact that his name is recorded and that, listen, he's the only person in Matthew, Mark and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, who gets healed, whose name we know. Well, that is suggestive that there was more to his story than gets recorded here for us. Mark leaves him following Jesus. Likely he could take his newly he-, he couldn't take his newly healed eyes off of him as he walks down the road and witnesses the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus's teaching in the temple that followed that. The dreadful events of the Easter weekend. Could it be that Bartimaeus was one of the hundreds to whom the risen Jesus appeared that we're told about? Could it be that even that he was one of the 120 who gathered to pray in the upper room at Pentecost? Could he have become, you know, a, a regular member of that first church in Jerusalem? It's probably quite likely. The true disciple, you see, will keep going with Christ. Convinced that he's your only hope. Humble and empty-handed walking and talking with him, trusting him to provide, focused on him, the most important thing, and following his lead. That's the true disciple. Listen, if, if that's not you, if what you've been listening to this morning has made you think, wow, do you know what? I don't really measure up to this. Or if you still think that you can get into God's kingdom just by, you know, being a stand-up guy or girl, by good living, by rule-keeping, even by religious activity. If you think that following Jesus is all about wearing a cross round your neck, labelling yourself Christian, going to church, well, think again. None of those things were really true of Bartimaeus in this story. Call out then today, call out now, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would please open our eyes so that we, like Bartimaeus, might see our real need and our poverty before you and come to you even today. Help us to be true disciples, Father, trusting nothing but you, fixing our eyes on Jesus as we walk down the road that you've called us to travel. And may we do all of this for the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.